Section 10 of Father Goriot by Honoré Balzac Translated by Ellen Marriage This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 10 Madame is in her room, Therese came to tell him. The woman's voice made him start. He found Delphine lying back in her low chair by the fireside, looking fresh and bright. The sight of her among the flowing draperies of muslin suggested some beautiful tropical flower, where the fruit is set amid the blossom. Well, she said, with a tremor in her voice, here you are. Guess what I bring for you, said Eugene, sitting down beside her. He took possession of her arm to kiss her hand. Madame de Nucigen gave a joyful start as she saw the card she turned to eugene there were tears in her eyes as she flung her arms about his neck and drew him towards her in a frenzy of gratified vanity and i owe this happiness to you to thee she whispered the more intimate word in his ear but therese is in my dressing-room let us be prudent this happiness yes for i may call it so when it comes to me through you is surely more than a triumph of self-love no one has been willing to introduce me into that set perhaps just now i may seem to you to be frivolous petty shallow like a parisienne but remember my friend that i am ready to give up all for you and that if i long more than ever for an entrance into the faubourg saint germain it is because i shall meet you there madame de beauseant's note seems to say very plainly that she does not expect to see the baron de nucigen at her ball don't you think so said eugene why yes said the baroness as she returned the letter those women have a talent for insolence but it is of no consequence i shall go my sister is sure to be there and sure to be very beautifully dressed eugene she went on lowering her voice she will go to dispel ugly suspicions you do not know the things that people are saying about her only this morning nucingen came to tell me that they had been discussing her at the club great heavens on what does a woman's character and the honour of a whole family depend i feel that i am nearly touched and wounded in my poor sister according to some people monsieur de Trailles must have put his name to bills for a hundred thousand francs nearly all of them are overdue and proceedings are threatened in this predicament it seems that my sister sold her diamonds to a jew the beautiful diamonds that belonged to her husband's mother madame de rostode the elder you have seen her wearing them in fact nothing else has been talked about for the last two days so i can see that anastasie is sure to come to madame de beauseant's ball in tissue of gold and ablaze with diamonds to draw all eyes upon her and i will not be outshone she has tried to eclipse me all my life she has never been kind to me and i have helped her so often and always had money for her when she had none but never mind other people now to-day i mean to be perfectly happy 
at one o'clock that morning eugene was still with madame de nucingen in the midst of their lover's farewell a farewell full of hope of bliss to come she said in a troubled voice i am very fearful superstitious give what name you like to my presentiments but i am afraid that my happiness will be paid for by some horrible catastrophe child said eugene ah have we changed places and am i the child to-night she asked laughingly eugene went back to maison vauquet never doubting but that he should leave it for good on the morrow and on the way he fell to dreaming the bright dreams of youth when the cup of happiness has left its sweetness on the lips well cried goriot as rastignac passed by his door yes said eugene i will tell you everything to-morrow everything will you not cried the old man go to bed to-morrow our happy life will begin next day goriot and rastignac were ready to leave the lodging-house and only awaited the good pleasure of a porter to move out of it but towards noon there was a sound of wheels in the rue neuvre saint genevieve and a carriage stopped before the door of the maison vauquet madame de nucingen alighted and asked if her father was still in the house and receiving an affirmative reply from sylvie ran lightly upstairs it so happened that eugene was at home all unknown to his neighbor at breakfast time he had asked goriot to superintend the removal of his goods saying that he would meet him in the rue d'artois at four o'clock but rastignac's name had been called early on the list at the ecole de Troyes, and he had gone back at once to the rue neuvre saint genevieve no one had seen him come in for goriot had gone to find a porter and the mistress of the house was likewise out eugene had thought to pay her himself for it struck him that if he left this goriot in his zeal would probably pay for him as it was eugene went up to his room to see that nothing had been forgotten and blessed his foresight when he saw the blank bill bearing vautrin's signature lying in the drawer where he had carelessly thrown it on the day when he had repaid the amount there was no fire in the grate so he was about to tear it into little pieces when he heard a voice speaking in goriot's room and the speaker was delphine he made no more noise and stood still to listen thinking that she should have no secrets from him but after the first few words the conversation between the father and daughter was so strange and interesting that it absorbed all his attention ah thank heaven that you thought of asking him to give an account of the money settled on me before i was utterly ruined father is it safe to talk she added yes there is no one in the house said her father faintly what is the matter with you asked madame de nucingen god forgive you you have just dealt me a staggering blow child said the old man you cannot know how much i love you or would not have burst in upon me like this with such news especially if all is not lost has something so important happened that you must come here about it in a few minutes we should have been at the rue d'artois eh does one think what one is doing after a catastrophe it has turned my head 
your attorney has found out the state of things now but it was bound to come out sooner or later we shall want your long business experience and i come to you like a drowning man who catches at a branch when monsieur de ville found that nucingen was throwing all sorts of difficulties in his way he threatened him with proceedings and told him plainly that he would soon obtain an order from the president of the tribunal so nucingen came to my room this morning and asked if i meant to ruin us both i told him that i knew nothing whatever about it that i had a fortune and ought to be put into possession of my fortune and that my attorney was acting for me in the matter i said again that i knew absolutely nothing about it and could not possibly go into the subject with him wasn't that what you told me to tell him yes quite right answered goriot well then delphine continued he told me all about his affairs he had just invested all his capital and mine in business speculations they have only just been started and very large sums of money are locked up if i were to compel him to refund my dowry now he would be forced to file his petition but if i will wait a year he undertakes on his honour to double or treble my fortune by investing it in building land and i shall be mistress at last of the whole of my property he was speaking the truth father dear he frightened me he asked my pardon for his conduct he has given me my liberty i am free to act as i please on condition that i leave him to carry on my business in my name to prove his sincerity he promised that monsieur de ville might inspect the accounts as often as he pleased so that i might be assured that everything was being conducted properly in short he put himself in my power bound hand and foot he wishes the present arrangements as to the expenses of housekeeping to continue for two more years and entreated me not to exceed my allowance he showed me plainly that it was all that he could do to keep up appearances he has broken with his opera dancer he will be compelled to practise the most strict economy in secret if he is to bide his time with unshaken credit i scolded i did all i could to drive him into desperation so as to find out more he showed me his ledgers he broke down and cried at last i never saw a man in such a state he lost his head completely talked of killing himself and raved till i felt quite sorry for him do you really believe that silly rubbish cried her father it was all got up for your benefit i have had to do with germans in the way of business honest and straight forward they are pretty sure to be but when with their simplicity and frankness they are sharpers and humbugs as well they are the worst rogues of all your husband is taking advantage of you as soon as pressure is brought to bear on him he shams dead he means to be more the master under your name than in his own he will take advantage of the position to secure himself against the risks of business he is as sharp as he is treacherous he is a bad lot no no i am not going to leave my girls behind me without a penny when i go to pere la chaise i know something about business still he has sunk his money in speculation he says very well then 
there is something to show for it bills receipts papers of some sort let him produce them and come to an arrangement with you we will choose the most promising of his speculations take them over at our own risk and have the securities transferred into your name they will represent the separate estate of delphine Gariot, wife of the baron de nucingen does that fellow really take us for idiots does he imagine that i could stand the idea of your being without fortune without bread for forty-eight hours i would not stand it a day no not a night not a couple of hours if there had been any foundation for the idea i should never get over it what i have worked hard for forty years carried sacks on my back and sweated and pinched and saved all my life for you my darlings for you who made the toil and every burden borne for you seem light and now my fortune my whole life is to vanish in smoke i should die raving mad if i believed a word of it by all that's holiest in heaven and earth we will have this cleared up at once go through the books have the whole business looked thoroughly into i will not sleep not rest not eat until i have satisfied myself that all your fortune is in existence your money is settled upon you god be thanked and luckily your attorney maitre delville is an honest man good lord you shall have your snug little million your fifty thousand francs a year as long as you live or i will raise a racket in paris i will so if the tribunals put upon us i will appeal to the chambers if i knew that you were well and comfortably off as far as money is concerned that thought would keep me easy in spite of bad health and troubles money why it is life money does everything that great dolt of an alsatian shall sing to another tune look here delphine don't give way don't make a concession of half a quarter of a farthing to that fathead who has ground you down and made you miserable if he can't do without you we will give him a good cudgelling and keep him in order great heavens my brain is on fire it is as if there were something red-hot inside my head my delphine lying on straw you my fifine good gracious where are my gloves come let us go at once i mean to see everything with my own eyes books cash and correspondence the whole business i shall have no peace until i know for certain that your fortune is secure oh father dear be careful how you set about it if there is the least hint of vengeance in the business if you show yourself openly hostile it will be all over with me he knows whom he has to deal with he thinks it quite natural that if you put the idea in my head i should be uneasy about my money but i swear to you that he has it in his own hands and that he had meant to keep it he is just the man to abscond with all the money and leave us in the lurch the scoundrel he knows quite well that i will not dishonor the name i bear by bringing him into a court of law his position is strong and weak at the same time if we drive him to despair i am lost why then the man is a rogue well yes father she said flinging herself into a chair i wanted to keep it from you to spare your feelings 
and she burst into tears i did not want you to know that you had married me to such a man as he is he is just the same in private life body and soul and conscience the same through and through hideous i hate him i despise him yes after all that that despicable nucingen has told me i cannot respect him any longer a man capable of mixing himself up in such affairs and of talking about them to me as he did without the slightest scruple it is because i have read him through and through that i am afraid of him he my husband frankly proposed to give me my liberty and do you know what that means it means that if things turn out badly for him i am to play into his hands and be his stalking horse but there is a law to be had there is place de grieve for sons-in-law of that sort cried her father why i would guillotine him myself if there was no headsman to do it no father the law cannot touch him listen this is what he says stripped of all his circumlocutions take your choice you and no one else can be my accomplice either everything is lost you are ruined and have not a farthing or you will let me carry this business through myself is that plain speaking he must have my assistance he is assured that his wife will deal fairly by him he knows that i shall leave his money to him and be content with my own it is an unholy and dishonest compact and he holds out threats of ruin to compel me to consent to it he is buying my conscience and the price is liberty to be eugene's wife in all but name i connive at your errors and you allow me to commit crimes and ruin poor families is that sufficiently explicit do you know what he means by speculations he buys up land in his own name then he finds men of straw to run up houses upon it these men made a bargain with a contractor to build the houses paying them by bills at long dates then in consideration of a small sum they leave my husband in possession of the houses and finally slip through the fingers of deluded contractors by going into bankruptcy the name of the firm of nucingen has been used to dazzle the poor contractors i saw that i noticed too that nucingen had sent bills for large amounts to amsterdam london naples and vienna in order to prove necessary that large sums had been paid away by the firm how could we get possession of those bills eugene heard a dull thud on the floor father goriot must have fallen on his knees great heavens what have i done to you bound my daughter to this scoundrel who does as he likes with her oh my child my child forgive me cried the old man yes if i am in the depths of despair perhaps you are to blame said delphine we have so little sense when we marry what do we know of the world of business or men or life our father should think for us father dear i am not blaming you in the least forgive me for what i said this is all my own fault nay do not cry papa she said kissing him do not cry either my little delphine 
look up and let me kiss away the tears there i shall find my wits and unravel this skein of your husband's winding no let me do that i shall be able to manage him he is fond of me well and good i shall use my influence to make him invest my money as soon as possible in landed property in my own name very likely i could get him to buy back nucingen in alsace in my name that has always been a pet idea of his still come to-morrow and go through the books and look into the business monsieur derville knows little of the mercantile matters no not to-morrow though i do not want to be upset madame de beauseant's ball will be the day after to-morrow and i must keep quiet so as to look my best and freshest and do honour to my dear eugene come let us see his room but as she spoke a carriage stopped in the rue neuvre saint genevieve and the sound of madame de restaud's voice came from the staircase is my father in she asked of sylvie this accident was luckily timed for eugene whose one idea had been to throw himself down on the bed and pretend to be asleep oh father have you heard about anastasie said delphine when she heard her sister speak it looks as though some strange things had happened in that family what sort of things asked goriot this is like to be the death of me my poor head will not stand a double misfortune good morning father said the countess from the threshold oh delphine are you here madame de restaud seemed taken aback by her sister's presence good morning nassie said the baroness what is there so extraordinary in my being here i see our father every day since when if you came yourself you would know don't tease delphine said the countess fretfully i am very miserable i am lost oh my poor father it is hopeless this time what is it nasie cried goriot tell us all about it child how white she is quick do something delphine be kind to her and i will love you even better if that were possible poor nasie said madame de nucingen drawing her sister to a chair we are the only two people in the world whose love is always sufficient to forgive you everything family affection is the surest you see the countess inhaled the salts and revived this will kill me said their father there he went on staring the smouldering fire come nearer both of you it is cold what is it nasie be quick and tell me this is enough to well then my husband knows everything said the countess just imagine it do you remember father that bill of maxims some time ago well that was not the first i had paid ever so many before that about the beginning of january monsieur de Trailles seemed very much troubled he said nothing to me but it is so easy to read the hearts of those you love a mere trifle is enough and then you feel things instinctively indeed he was more tender and affectionate than ever and i was happier than i had ever been before poor maxime in himself he was really saying good-bye to me so he has told me since he meant to blow his brains out at last i worried him so and begged and implored so hard 
for two hours i knelt at his knees and prayed and entreated and at last he told me that he owed a hundred thousand francs oh papa a hundred thousand francs i was beside myself you had not the money i knew i had eaten up all that you had no said goriot i could not have got it for you unless i had stolen it but i would have done that for you nassie i will do it yet the words came from him like a sob a hoarse sound like the death-rattle of a dying man it seemed indeed like the agony of death when the father's love was powerless there was a pause and neither of the sisters spoke it must have been selfishness indeed that could hear unmoved that cry of anguish that like a pebble thrown over a precipice revealed the depths of his despair i found the money father by selling what was not mine to sell and the countess burst into tears delphine was touched she laid her head on her sister's shoulder and cried too then it is all true she said anastasie bowed her head madame de nucingen flung her arms about her kissed her tenderly and held her sister to her heart i shall always love you and never judge you nasie she said my angels murmured goriot faintly oh why should it be trouble that draws you together this warm and palpitating affection seemed to give the countess courage to save maxime's life she said to save all my own happiness i went to the money-lender you know of a man of iron forged in hell-fire nothing can melt him i took all the family diamonds that monsieur de rostaud is so proud of his and mine too and sold them to monsieur gosbeck sold them do you understand i saved maxime but i am lost rostaud found it all out how who told him i will kill him cried goriot yesterday he sent to me to come to his room i went anastasie he said in a voice oh such a voice that was enough it told me everything where are your diamonds in my room no he said looking straight at me there they are on that chest of drawers and he lifted his handkerchief and showed me the casket do you know where they came from he said i fell at his feet i cried i besought him to tell me the death he wished to see me die you said that cried goriot my god in heaven whoever lays a hand on either of you so long as i am alive may reckon on being roasted by slow fires yes i will cut him in pieces like goriot stopped the words died away in his throat and then dear he asked something worse than death of me oh heaven preserve all other women from hearing such words as i heard then i will murder that man said goriot quietly but he has only one life and he deserved to die twice and then what next he added looking at anastasie then the countess resumed there was a pause and he looked at me anastasie he said i will bury this in silence there shall be no separation there are the children i will not kill monsieur de Trailles. i might miss him if we fought and as for other ways of getting rid of him i should come into collision with the law if i killed him in your arms it would bring dishonor on those children but if you do not want to see your children perish nor their father nor me you must first of all submit 
to two conditions answer me have i a child of my own i answered yes which ernest our eldest boy very well he said and now swear to obey me in this particular from this time forward i swore you will make over your property to me when i require you to do so do nothing of the kind cried goriot aha monsieur de rostaud you could not make your wife happy she has looked for happiness and found it elsewhere and you make her suffer for your own ineptitudes he will have to reckon with me make yourself easy nasi aha he cares about his heir good very good i will get hold of the boy isn't he my grandson what the blazes i can surely go to see the brat i will stow him away somewhere i will take care of him you may be quite easy i will bring resto to terms the monster i shall say to him a word or two with you if you want your son back again give my daughter her property and leave her to do as she pleases father yes i am your father nasi a father indeed that rogue of a great lord had better not ill-treat my daughter tonnerre what is it in my veins there is the blood of a tiger in me i could tear those two men to pieces oh children children so this is what your lives are why it is death what will become of you when i shall be here no longer fathers ought to live as long as their children ah lord god in heaven how ill thy world is ordered thou hast a son if what they tell us is true and yet thou leavest us to suffer so through our children my darlings my darlings to think that trouble only should bring you to me that i should only see you with tears on your faces ah yes yes you love me i see that you love me come to me and pour out your grief to me my heart is large enough to hold them all oh you might rend my heart in pieces and every fragment would make a father's heart if only i could bear all your sorrows for you ah you were so happy when you were little and still with me we have never been happy since said delphine where are the old days when we slid down the sacks in the great granary that is not all father said anastasie in goriot's ear the old man gave a startled shudder the diamonds only sold for a hundred thousand francs maxime is hard pressed there are twelve thousand francs still to pay he has given me his word that he will be steady and give up play in future his love is all that i have left of the world i have paid such a fearful price for it that i should die if i lose him now i have sacrificed my fortune my honour my peace of mind and my children for him oh do something so that at the least maxime may be at large and live undisgraced in the world where he will assuredly make a career for himself something more than my happiness is at stake the children have nothing and if he is sent to saint pellegris all his prospects will be ruined i haven't the money nasie i have nothing nothing left this is the end of everything yes the world is crumbling into ruin i am sure fly save yourselves ah i have still my silver buckles left and a half a dozen silver spoons and forks the first i ever had in my life 
but i have nothing else except my life annuity twelve hundred francs then what has become of your money in the funds i sold out and only kept a trifle for my wants i wanted twelve thousand francs to furnish some rooms for delphine in your own house asked madame de Rostaud, looking at her sister what does it matter where they are asked goriot the money is spent now i see how it is said the comtesse rooms for monsieur de rastignac poor delphine take warning by me monsieur de rastignac is incapable of ruining the woman he loves dear thanks delphine i thought you would have been kinder to me in my troubles but you never did love me yes yes she loves you nasie cried goriot she was saying so only just now we were talking about you and she insisted that you were beautiful and that she herself was only pretty pretty said the countess she is as hard as a marble statue and if i am cried delphine flushing up how have you treated me you would not recognize me you closed the doors of every house against me you have never let an opportunity of mortifying me slip by and when did i come as you were always doing to drain our poor father a thousand francs at a time till he is left as you see him now that is all your doing sister i myself have seen my father as often as i could i have not turned him out of the house and then come and fawned over him when i wanted money i did not so much as know that he had spent those twelve thousand francs on me i am economical as you know and when papa has made me presents it has never been because i came and begged for them you were better off than i monsieur de marseilles was rich as you have reason to know you always were as slippery as gold good-bye i have neither sister nor oh hush hush nasie cried her father nobody else would repeat what everybody has ceased to believe you are an unnatural sister cried delphine oh children children hush hush or i will kill myself before your eyes there nasie i forgive you said madame de nucingen you are very unhappy but i am kinder than you are how could you say that just when i was ready to do anything in the world to help you even to be reconciled with my husband which for my own sake i oh it is just like you you have behaved cruelly to me all through these nine years children children kiss each other cried the father you are angels both of you no let me alone cried the countess shaking off the hand that her father had laid on her arm she is more merciless than my husband anyone might think she was a model of all the virtues herself i would rather have people think that i owed money to monsieur de marseilles than own that monsieur de Trailles had cost me more than two hundred thousand francs retorted madame de nucingen delphine cried the countess stepping towards her sister i shall tell you the truth about yourself if you begin to slander me said the baroness coldly delphine you are a father goriot sprang between them grasped the countess's hand and laid his own over her mouth good heavens father what have you been handling this morning said anastasie ah well yes i ought not to have touched you said the poor father wiping his hands on his trousers but i have been packing up my things i did not know that you were coming to see me 
he was glad that he had drawn down her wrath upon himself ah he sighed as he sat down you children have broken my heart between you this is killing me my head feels as if it were on fire be good to each other and love each other this will be the death of me delphine nassie come be sensible you are both in the wrong come dedel he added looking through his tears at the baroness she must have twelve thousand francs you see let us see if we can find them for her oh my girls do not look at each other like that and he sank on his knees beside delphine ask her to forgive you just to please me he said in her ear she is more miserable than you are come now dedel poor nassie said delphine alarmed at the wild extravagant grief in her father's face i was in the wrong kiss me ah that is like balm to my heart cried father goriot but how are we to find twelve thousand francs i might offer myself as a substitute in the army oh father dear they both cried flinging their arms about him no no god reward you for the thought we are not worth it are we nassie asked delphine and besides father dear it would only be a drop in the bucket observed the comtesse but is flesh and blood worth nothing cried the old man in his despair i would give body and soul to save you nassie i would do a murder for the man who would rescue you i would do as vautrin did go to the hulks go he stopped as if struck by a thunderbolt and put both hands to his head nothing left he cried tearing his hair if i only knew of a way to steal money but it is so hard to do it and then you can't set to work by yourself and it takes time to rob a bank yes it is time i was dead there is nothing left me to do but to die i am no good in the world i am no longer a father no she has come to me in her extremity and wretch that i am i have nothing to give her ah you put your money into a life annuity old scoundrel and had you not daughters you did not love them die die in a ditch like a dog that you are yes i am worse than a dog a beast would not have done as i have done oh my head it throbs as if it would burst papa cried both the young women at once do pray be reasonable and they clung to him to prevent him from dashing his head against the wall there was a sound of sobbing eugene greatly alarmed took the bill that bore vautrin's signature saw that the stamp would suffice for a larger sum altered the figures made it into a regular bill for twelve thousand francs payable to goriot's order and went to his neighbor's room here is the money madame he said handing the piece of paper to her i was asleep your conversation woke me and by this means i learned all that i owed to monsieur goriot this bill can be discounted and i shall meet it punctually at the due date the comtesse stood motionless and speechless but she held the bill in her fingers delphine she said with a white face and her whole frame quivering with indignation anger and rage i forgave you everything god is my witness that i forgave you but i cannot forgive this so this gentleman was there all the time and you knew it your petty spite has let you to wreak your vengeance on me by betraying my secrets my life my children's lives 
my shame my honour there you are nothing to me any longer i hate you i will do all that i can to injure you i will anger paralyzed her the words died in her dry parched throat why he is my son my child he is your brother your preserver cried goriot kiss his hand nasi stay i will embrace him myself he said straining eugene to his breast in a frenzied clasp oh my boy i will be more than a father to you if i had god's power i would fling worlds at your feet why don't you kiss him nasi he is not a man but an angel an angel out of heaven never mind her father she is mad just now mad am i and what are you cried madame de Rostaud. children children i shall die if you go on like this cried the old man and he staggered and fell on the bed as if a bullet had struck him they are killing me between them he said to himself the countess fixed her eyes on eugene who stood stock still all his faculties were numbed by this violent scene sir she said doubt and inquiry in her face tone and bearing she took no notice now of her father nor of delphine who was hastily unfastening his waistcoat madame said eugene answering the question before it was asked i will meet the bill and keep silence about it you have killed our father nasie said delphine pointing to goriot who lay unconscious on the bed the countess fled i freely forgive her said the old man opening his eyes her position is horrible it would turn an older head than hers comfort nasie and be nice to her delphine promise it to your poor father before he dies he asked holding delphine's hand in a convulsive clasp oh what ails you father she cried in real alarm nothing nothing cried goriot it will go off there is something heavy pressing on my forehead a little headache ah poor nasie what a life lies before her just as he spoke the countess came back again and flung herself on her knees before him forgive me she cried come said her father you are hurting me still more monsieur the countess said turning to rastignac misery made me unjust to you you will be a brother to me will you not and she held out her hand her eyes were full of tears as she spoke nasie cried delphine flinging her arms round her sister my little nasie let us forget and forgive no no cried nasie i shall never forget dear angels cried goriot it is as if a dark curtain over my eyes had been raised your voices have called me back to life kiss each other once more well now nasie that bill will save you won't it i hope so i say papa will you write your name on it there how stupid of me to forget that but i am not feeling at all well nasie so you must not remember it against me send and let me know as soon as you are out of your strait no i will go to you no after all i will not go i might meet your husband and i should kill him on the spot and as for signing away your property i shall have a word to say about that quick my child and keep maxime in order in future eugene was too bewildered to speak poor anastasie she always had a violent temper said madame de nucingen but she has a good heart she came back for the endorsement said eugene in delphine's ear 
Do you think so? I only wish I could think otherwise. Do not trust her, he answered, raising his eyes as if he confided to heaven the thoughts that he did not venture to express. Yes, she is always acting a part to some extent. How do you feel now, dear Father Goriot? said Rastignac. I should like to go to sleep, he replied. Eugene helped him to bed, and Delphine sat by the bedside, holding his hand until he fell asleep. Then she went. This evening at the Italiens, she said to Eugene, and you can let me know how he is. Tomorrow you will leave this place, monsieur. Let us go into your room. Oh, how frightful! she cried on the threshold. Why, you are even worse lodged than our father. Eugene, you have behaved well. I would love you more if that were possible. But, dear boy, if you are to succeed in life, you must not begin by flinging twelve thousand francs out of the window like that. The Comte de Trailles is a confirmed gambler. My sister shuts her eyes to it. He would have made the twelve thousand francs in the same way that he wins and loses heaps of gold. A groan from the next room brought them back to Goriot's bed. To all appearances he was asleep, but the two lovers caught the words, They are not happy. Whether he was awake or sleeping, the tone in which they were spoken went to his daughter's heart. She stole up the pallet bed on which her father lay and kissed his forehead. He opened his eyes. Ah, Delphine, he said. How are you now? she asked. Quite comfortable. Do not worry about me. I shall get up presently. Don't stay with me, children. Go, go and be happy. Eugene went back with Delphine as far as her door, but he was not easy about Goriot and would not stay to dinner as she proposed. He wanted to be back at the Maison Vauquet. Father Goriot had left his room and was just sitting down to dinner as he came in. Bianchon had placed himself where he could watch the old man carefully, and when the old vermicelli maker took up his square of bread and smelt it to find out the quality of the flour, the medical student studying him closely saw that the action was purely mechanical and shook his head. Just come and sit over here, hospitala of coquin said eugene bianchon went the more willingly because his change of place brought him next to the old lodger what is wrong with him asked rastignac it is all up with him or i am much mistaken something very extraordinary must have taken place he looks to me as if he were in imminent danger of serious apoplexy the lower part of his face is composed enough but the upper part is drawn and distorted then there is that peculiar look about the eyes that indicates an effusion of serum in the brain they look as though they were covered with a film of fine dust do you notice i shall know more about it by to-morrow morning is there any cure for it none it might be possible to stave death off for a time if a way could be found of setting up a reaction in the lower extremities but if the symptoms do not abate by to-morrow evening it will be all over with him poor old fellow do you know what has happened to bring this on there must have been some violent shock and his mind has given way yes there was said rastignac remembering how the two daughters had struck blow on blow at their father's heart 
but delphine at any rate loves her father he said to himself that evening at the opera rastignac chose his words carefully lest he should give madame de nucingen needless alarm do not be anxious about him she said however as soon as eugene began our father has really a strong constitution but this morning we gave him a shock our whole fortunes were in peril so the thing was serious you see i could not live if your affection did not make me insensible to troubles that i should once have thought too hard to bear at this moment i have but one fear left but one misery to dread to lose the love that has made me feel glad to live everything else is as nothing to me compared with our love i care for nothing else for you are all the world to me if i feel glad to be rich it is for your sake to my shame be it said i think of my lover before my father do you ask why i cannot tell you but all my life is in you my father gave me a heart but you have taught it to beat the whole world may condemn me what does it matter if i stand acquitted in your eyes for you have no right to think ill of me for the faults which a tyrannous love has forced me to commit for you do you think me an unnatural daughter oh no no one could help loving such a dear kind father as ours but how could i hide the inevitable consequences of our miserable marriages from him why did he allow us to marry when we did was it not his duty to think for us and foresee for us to-day i know he suffers as much as we do but how can it be helped and as for comforting him we could not comfort him in the least our resignation would give him more pain and hurt him far more than complaints and upbraidings there are times in life when everything turns to bitterness eugene was silent the artless and sincere outpouring made an impression on him parisian women are often false intoxicated with vanity selfish and self-absorbed frivolous and shallow yet of all women when they love they sacrifice their personal feelings to their passion they rise but so much the higher for all the pettiness overcome in their nature and become sublime then eugene was struck by the profound discernment and insight displayed by this woman in judging of natural affection when a privileged affection had separated and set her at a distance apart madame de nucingen was piqued by the silence what are you thinking about she asked i am thinking about what you said just now hitherto i have always felt sure that i cared far more for you than you did for me she smiled and would not give way to the happiness she felt lest their talk should exceed the conventional limits of propriety she had never heard the vibrating tones of a sincere and youthful love a few more words and she feared for her self-control eugene she said changing the conversation i wonder whether you know what has been happening all paris will go to madame de beauseant's to-morrow the rochefide and the marquis d'ajuda have agreed to keep the matter a profound secret but to-morrow the king will sign the marriage contract and your poor cousin the vicomtesse knows nothing of it as yet she cannot put off her ball 
and the marquis will not be there people are wondering what will happen the world laughs at baseness and connives at it but this will kill madame de beauseant oh no said delphine smiling you do not know that kind of woman why all paris will be there and so shall i i ought to go there for your sake perhaps after all it is one of those absurd reports that people set in circulation here we shall know the truth to-morrow eugene did not return to the maison vauquet he could not forego the pleasure of occupying his new rooms at the rue d'artois yesterday evening he had been obliged to leave delphine soon after midnight but that night it was delphine who stayed with him until two o'clock in the morning he rose late and waited for madame de nucingen who came about noon to breakfast with him youth snatches eagerly at these rosy moments of happiness and eugene had almost forgotten goriot's existence the pretty things that surrounded him were growing familiar this domestication in itself was one long festival for him and madame de nucingen was there to glorify it all by her presence it was four o'clock before they thought of goriot and of how he had looked forward to the new life in that house eugene said that the old man ought to be moved at once lest he should grow too ill to move he left delphine and hurried back to the lodging-house neither father goriot nor young bianchon was in the dining-room with the others Aha said the painter as eugene came in father goriot has broken down at last bianchon is upstairs with him one of his daughters the comtesse de restorama came to see the old gentleman and he would get up and go out and made himself worse society is about to lose one of its brightest ornaments rastignac sprang to the staircase eh monsieur eugene monsieur eugene the mistress is calling you shouted sylvie it is this sir said the widow you and monsieur goriot should by rights have moved out on the fifteenth of february that was three days ago to-day is the eighteenth i ought really to be paid a month in advance but if you will engage to pay for both i shall be quite satisfied why can't you trust him trust him indeed if the old gentleman went off his head and died those daughters of his would not pay me a farthing and his things won't fetch ten francs this morning he went out with all the spoons and forks he has left i don't know why he had got himself up to look quite young and lord forgive me but i thought he had rouge on his cheeks he looked quite young again i will be responsible said eugene shuddering with horror for he foresaw the end he climbed the stairs and reached father goriot's room the old man was tossing on his bed bianchon was with him good evening father said eugene the old man turned his glassy eyes on him smiled gently and said how is she she is quite well but how are you there is nothing much the matter don't tire him said bianchon drawing eugene into the corner of the room well asked rastignac nothing but a miracle can save him now serious congestion has set in i have put on mustard plasters and luckily he can feel them they are acting is it possible to move him quite out of the question 
he must stay where he is and be kept as quiet as possible dear bianchon said eugene we will nurse him between us i have had the head physician round from my hospital to see him and what did he say he will give no opinion till to-morrow evening he promised to look in again at the end of the day unluckily the preposterous creature must needs go and do something foolish this morning he will not say what it was he is as obstinate as a mule as soon as i begin to talk to him he pretends not to hear and lies as if he were asleep instead of answering or if he opens his eyes he begins to groan some time this morning he went out on foot in the streets nobody knows where he went and he took everything that he had of any value with him he has been driving some confounded bargain and it has been too much for his strength one of his daughters has been here was it the countess asked eugene a tall dark-haired woman with large bright eyes slender figure and little feet yes leave him to me for a bit said rastignac i will make him confess he will tell me all about it and meanwhile i will get my dinner but try not to excite him there is still some hope left all right how they will enjoy themselves to-morrow said father goriot when they were alone they are going to a grand ball what were you doing this morning papa to make yourself so poorly this evening that you have to stop in bed did not anastasie come to see you demanded rastignac yes said father goriot well then don't keep anything from me what more did she want of you oh she was very miserable he answered gathering up all his strength to speak it was this way my boy since that affair of the diamonds nassie has not had a penny of her own for this ball she had ordered a golden gown like a setting for a jewel her mantua maker a woman without a conscience would not give her credit so nassie's waiting-woman advanced a thousand francs on account poor nassie reduced to such shifts it cut me to the heart to think of it but when nassie's maid saw how things were between her master and mistress she was afraid of losing her money and came to an understanding with the dressmaker and the woman refuses to send the ball dress until the money is paid the gown is ready and the ball is to-morrow night nassie was in despair she wanted to borrow my forks and spoons to pawn them her husband is determined that she shall go and wear the diamonds so as to contradict the stories that are told all over paris how can she go to that heartless scoundrel and say i owe a thousand francs to my dressmaker pay her for me she cannot i saw that myself delphine will be there too in a superb toilette and anastasie ought not to be outshone by her younger sister and then she was drowned in tears poor girl i felt so humbled yesterday when i had not the twelve thousand francs that i would have given the rest of my miserable life to wipe out that wrong you see i could have borne anything once but latterly this want of money has broken my heart oh i did not do it by halves i titivated myself up a bit and went out and sold my spoons and forks and buckles for six hundred francs then i went to old daddy gobseck and sold a year's interest on my annuity for four hundred francs down pshaw 
I can live on dry bread as I did when I was a young man. If I have done it before, I can do it again. My Nassie shall have one happy evening, at any rate. She shall be smart. The banknote for a thousand francs is under my pillow. It warms me to have it lying there under my head, for it is going to make my poor Nassie happy. She can turn that bad girl Victoire out of her house. A servant that cannot trust her mistress, did anyone ever hear the like? I shall be quite well to-morrow. Nassie is coming at ten o'clock. They must not think that I am ill, or they will not go to the ball. They will stop and take care of me. To-morrow Nassie will come and hold me in her arms, as if I were one of her children. Her kisses will make me well again. After all, I might have spent the thousand francs on physic. I would far rather give them to my little Nassie, who can charm all the pain away. At any rate, I am some comfort to her in her misery, and that makes up for my unkindness in buying an annuity. She is in the depths, and I cannot draw her out of them now. Oh, I will go into business again. I will buy wheat in Odessa. Out there, wheat fetches a quarter of the price it sells for here. There is a law against the importation of grain, but the good folk who made the law forgot to prohibit the introduction of wheat products and foodstuffs made from the corn. Hey, hey, that struck me this morning. There is a fine trade to be done in starch. End of section 10